Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by any means possible. Now, today, we're going to be talking all about real estate investing in syndication. I know that's a fancy word for apartment complexes, multifamily, many, many units inside of an apartment complex, and also being an active investor and as well a passive investor. And I have an expert who has hundreds of units under management for himself. He's doing a fantastic job investing in apartment complexes and shows us how we can do it too. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We've already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence so you will never work for someone else again. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for being here with me on the Successfully Unemployed Show. Hopefully, you are getting a lot of information on how you can provide for yourself and your family. Make a living without working for somebody else. That's the ultimate goal. That's why I have the Successfully Unemployed Show for you. And today, I am super excited because real estate investing is how I became successfully unemployed. And I brought in another expert who actually is going to show us how to do apartment complexes. There's different types of financing for the apartment complexes. You can get other people to invest with you. You need to get bigger management companies. There's so many other nuances that a single family homes don't have. And it takes a little bit of work, actually a good amount more work than real estate investing in rental properties. Now, remember, you can always get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental. R-E-N-T-A-L-233-777. Rental to 33777. And I will give you my real estate investing course, show you how to invest in four units, three units, duplexes, and single family homes, showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, making sure you have experts doing the work for you, and make a minimum of $250 a month in passive income, and scale the business to quit your job. Get that text word rental, the 33777. Now let's jump into today's show where we are talking with an expert in multifamily syndication. Whitney Sewell is on with me. All right, here we go. Whitney, thank you so much for being here on the Successfully Unemployed Show. My pleasure, Dustin. Honored to be here. It seems like real estate investing is something that's really, really tough, but walk me through what do you do to make sure you provide for your family without working the J-O-B? Yeah, so ultimately providing a large amount of value to our investors, right? To others who want to invest in real estate. They know that to build wealth, they need re- real estate in their portfolio, but hey, they, they don't want to have to go find it. They don't want to have to manage it. They don't want to have to do those things that, you know, to say they go to buy a single family home or something. They don't want to have to take the time to do those things. However, that typically they have a very high income doing something else that they are very good at, right? And so they want to stay focused on that. Uh, and so we help them, you know what, stay focused on that, but hey, they can still go own real estate they can purchase shares in these large apartment communities that we purchase. Then we manage them, uh, you know, the day-to-day operations, right? And then they get a monthly distribution from us. Uh, but then that also obviously pays my family and I as well. We personally invest in them. But then also, you know, there's fees that we collect as well just for putting the deal together. It's not cheap to do it, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, it does pay our family. And that's what, you know, it's a long process. We'll probably get into a little bit uh, how we got there. 
but that now pays me well enough that I, I could leave the, the day job. That's fantastic. Now, what were you doing before? Were you working a corporate job and working nine to five and then making that transition to actually quitting and being on your own? It takes a lot of nerve to do that. So what were you doing before and how did you transition into this? It does take some nerve to say the least. Uh, and so I, I and I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, but I go back to March of 2001, Dustin. And, and in March I, of 2001, I joined the military. Uh, and you know what happened six months after that, right? You know, 9-11. And I had no idea at the time I would be so spending a year of my life in Iraq uh, shortly after uh, toting around a machine gun, praying every day I get to go home. And uh, I, I'm so thankful I made it home. I mean, the Lord uh, protected me in so many ways. Unfortunately, not everyone in my squad made it home. Uh, but one thing the military taught me, Dustin, was have a never give up mentality, which I feel like is so important, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur. Uh, but it just in, in many aspects of life. But I came home and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a career. Uh, I didn't have any college and I felt helpless almost. Right. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, but law enforcement seemed like a great transition. Uh, and so there were uh, five positions available and 1,200 applicants with Kentucky State Police. I was blessed to have one of those. And I, I loved working the road as a police officer. However, you know what, my I got married shortly after and my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. And, and also there were guys retiring that were making like thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year who had been on, you know, 25 years. And, and so as much, I, I would have done it for free the first couple of years. I mean, I enjoyed the service, the uniform, the discipline, you know, helping others. I mean, I loved working the road as a police officer, but I could see that it just wasn't what was best. Finally, about 2009, I, I got to looking for some way to supplement my income. And I figured out, you know, not only had like one or two people built wealth in real estate, but hundreds of thousands, that, right? I mean, so many millionaires are, you know, what, 90% of millionaires or something have been built, built in real estate. And right then, Dustin, I was like, okay, if if this many people can do it, then, then I can do something, right? I can do something. I may not become a millionaire, but I can at least supplement our income. And, and we bought two triplexes uh, and made a ton of mistakes. Uh, I, I don't know how, how the bank allowed us to buy them when they, when they did, but, but we did. We made it happen and it just made a lot of mistakes. I quickly became a federal agent and that moved us to Virginia where we live now. Uh, there's many other details here, but uh, but I, I actually was a federal agent and was a professional horse trainer. I was selling horses for more money than I ever imagined and doing all kinds of tricks and all kinds of things. And and uh, but, but I also got up to a 15 unit in real estate uh, at the same time. My wife and I were walking on the beach one fall and, and really what we call thinking time, but praying and, and just looking forward at, you know, where are we going three years from now, five years from now? And, and is what we're doing going to get us there? And it was obvious that I could not keep up the pace that I was keeping. I mean, it was like full-time job, full-time horse training, you know, until really late every night. It was just, it was just madness, honestly. And so we said, you know what, we got to make some big changes. And we'd had the farm, the house we'd always dreamed of. And, and by the time we got home, uh, the Lord had just given us both peace about selling the whole place. And so that was like September by, by between Christmas and New Year's of that year, we, we had sold the farm and were moving out. Uh, it was one of the hardest things we had ever done. We were both just bawling, of course, you know, as we pull out uh, of that drive. Uh, but we knew it was going to take that level of commitment uh, to make it happen. And so, and that's really when the commercial real estate business began. Many other details there. I know we're going to get into a little bit of things I learned, things that are going to be helpful to your listeners. That sounds like a fantastic journey because 
a lot of people think, let's just go ahead and quit everything and then jump right into it, which that's could work out well for people, but it wasn't for me. I, I definitely couldn't do that. So you worked a, you worked a day job. Then you were working, doing horses, your business, as well as investing in real estate. I, I'm very, very similar. That's exactly how I did it as well. I had businesses. I had my real estate, had my job. Uh, living just over broke with that job, but then they realized real estate was the best way to go. Okay, so is it, there's two different sides to, that I know of, for syndication, which syndication's a quote-unquote fancy word for multifamily. Basically, having multifamily, having other investors help you. Now, tell me about the difference between an active and passive investor, and which one should we potentially look at doing? Yeah, great question. And so there is, there's different structures, but thinking about, there's what we call the general partnership, uh, which would be all the active people in the deal, which would be myself, who's, you know, the people on my team, right? Uh, Anybody that's part of that deal and making it function on a daily basis, ultimately. And then the LPs or what we call limited partners are the passive investors. And so you have to think about, you know, how involved do you want to be in something like this? So we may have a project, let's say on average is $30 million. Uh, we may have 150 investors in that one project. Okay. Cause we, and we may raise 10 to $12 million for that project. Okay. And so there'll be most investors in there will be 50,000 at a time, or maybe a hundred, many at a hundred, many, 150, 200,000, some at half a million or a million. They're all going to be passive and they're passive for a reason. So I, I think you have to think about your goals. You have to like, we're not calling them to ask about paint colors, right? And they don't want us to call them and ask about paint colors, right? And that's the whole reason they're investing with us. So I think you have to think about your current situation, your goals, uh, and, and you know, is this a good method or, or vehicle for you uh, to build wealth, right? You know, do you already have that income from another job or another business that you have? And hey, you love that. You want to keep doing that, you know, and that's great, right? Uh, and this may be a great way to own real estate, have some of the tax benefits as well. Uh, but there are people who, hey, hey if you want to be active, you want to go grow your investor base, raise some money and be able to purchase a larger project, you can do that as well. Uh, it may take a little longer to make that happen, but long-term, maybe that that might be better for some people. So you have the active and passive investor. Let's go the, it seems like the passive investor route is relatively simple in a sense. And correct me if I'm wrong, but explain to me if I, because I'll quickly, we want to dive into the passive, but then I also want to talk about the active investor because that's a lot more work. Obviously, you know that. Uh, so with the passive investor, tell me about what type of person? Is it somebody that has very little money? Is it somebody that has very, like a lot of money? Like you said, don't want to be bothered with paint colors. So if we were to get into doing passive investing, is it just find somebody that's doing syndication or multifamily, just give them money? Or is there a lot more involved that we want to make sure we're protecting our money? Great. Of course. Yeah. Making sure you, you want to make sure you're protecting your money. Right. And I tell everyone, you know, as you are a passive investor, I'm also a passive investor in numerous projects and in our deals. Uh, but ultimately the operator is key and, and the operator, you know, it's like trusting that individual you're investing with, right? Like that is of utmost importance. Uh, if you don't have that, the the deal, the market, all those other things, I mean, we could formulate hundreds of questions around the market and the deal, right? And themselves, the under, I mean, there's so many things, but hey, if you don't have trust in the operator themselves, 
then, I mean, just stop there, right? You need to go to the next operator. You need to find the next projects. There's, there's lots of great operators uh, and, and many great deals even, but hey, I, I would not personally invest with many of them. And so you want to take time, right? Get to know them, have, a, have numerous conversations, speak to other people on their team, ask about other projects that they've had. Tell me about, you know, tell me about a project that didn't go the way you expected, right? I, I mean, just like, ask questions that's going to make them think and make them tell you things about how they performed, especially over this pandemic. Right. And, and I offered to like every investor, I say, you know what, as soon as we get off the phone call, you're going to receive emails from us. And one of them is going to show you or give you access to every investor update about almost every project over the last like numerous years, right? And so you can go, and I'll tell them, it, you can go as detailed as you want. You can look how we how we communicated with investors through the pandemic, or how the properties performed, or you know all these things. We've never missed a distribution, and you know and how we've done those things. So you know you, you want to know those things. How did they find these deals? Why is it a good deal? What's their business plan? You know, do they have reserves? What type of debt do they have? You know, you don't want them to be made to sell. Uh, you know, it, 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 depending on the types of debt. You know, will the property cash flow? from day one. Those are just a few quick things that are going to help you to minimize the risk as a passive investor, knowing those things, you know, up front. Now, everybody listening, you should probably rewind that and write down literally every one of those things. I mean, she, so we could go into lots of details of every single one of those questions, but those are fantastic questions. So if you're going to be a passive investor, write all those down and then ask those questions. Those are gold. So I definitely want, don't want you guys to miss that. Now, Whitney, let's jump into an active investor. Now you got, you cut your teeth on triplexes, which is fantastic. And then started moving forward to getting bigger and bigger properties. And to me, it seems like single family homes up to four units, so much easier, conventional loans. You know, you don't have to worry about too much. Just get one little property manager. It seems like getting into multifamily, 50, 100, 200 units, like even bigger, that's going to be a lot more work. And like a lot more money. So where do we start if we wanted to become an active investor ourselves and we wanted to do that, if we're looking into it, where could we start? Is it just finding a property and that's the best thing to do? Or is it maybe finding people that can help invest with you? Great question. And it's like the chicken or the egg, right? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it is so often in our industry as well. And, and when we're completing, you know, syndicating or ultimately, like you said, like bringing these people together, that's what we're doing. We're bringing these investors and, and people together to make a large deal happen. We're syndicating it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it could be any kind of commercial real estate, any kind of real estate really. Uh, but, but, you know, we are, you have to figure out what you're good at. And I tell people there's, it's a team sport, right? As any, almost any business, but in our business, it literally is like, I could not do it without my entire team. Our team is growing rapidly as we speak. I mean, we are hiring uh, very, very quickly. What I tell people is figure out what part of the business you love. Like, is it underwriting and spreadsheets and those things that that's, I cannot do that. Yes, but it's not where I shine. It's not what I love to do. I don't, I don't dream about that at night. You know, like my business partner, like he just, he loves structuring deals and numbers. And I mean, and he is so much better at it than I'll probably ever be. Right. And so we have very different skill sets. Uh, but what I tell people is, you know, getting started, you need a mentor. You need somebody that has been there and done that. It is, it is so worth it when you can find the right mentor. I did waste money uh, on the wrong mentor many, many years ago. Uh, and then uh, before getting into commercial real estate, though, I knew that I wanted somebody that had been there, had done that, who, who cared about my success, who I could speak to, who I could ask questions of. And I knew that was going to help me 
you know, stay on track, right? Uh, and not uh, not pivot, uh, you know, and get off track too quickly anyway, and, and hopefully make the wrong wrong mistakes or make bad mistakes. And so, it, it, and it did. It saved me so much time having that person in my corner. But then I had to figure out in the business what I was going to focus on, like I was talking about. And and for me, it was the investor relations. It, it was raising money. It, you know, it was building our team, our platform, our podcast, our all these things that help get our name out there and build our brand and, and whatnot. While I hired other people and built the team to, to find the deals and to help us structure deals and, uh, you know, investor relations, all those pieces that I started adding together. So getting started, you need a mentor. You need to surround yourself with people. Like think about, you know, you find someone that's, you know, five, 10 years ahead of you or further, right? And, and make sure it's somebody that, hey, you know what, in 10 years, I could see being like them, right? Do they represent, you know, what you believe? Do they represent who even personally like you would like to be like, right? Uh, and so those are things that I wanted to see in a mentor or coach. Uh, and that was crucial in my in my progress to getting where I am now. That is key, I think, in everything. I mean, people go to college and they go get education. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on basically getting somewhat of a mentor. Now, arguably, if uh, somebody's in college and a professor, if they're an actual expert or not, that's uh, a whole nother conversation. But it's easy to find, not say, it's much easier in the real estate business, in my opinion, to find somebody who's actually successful because you could literally look at their track record, look at all the properties that they manage, properties that they own and have sold and all that sort of stuff. That's that's fantastic. Now we find, let's say we get a mentor and we want to start with multifamily and let's say, I, if I'm starting out, I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna start small. Let's start with 10 units. Is that wise or would it be wiser to go bigger or would it be better to do something different? And there's so many people have different trains of thought on that question, right? You know, do, do I need to start small and build up? And, and I would say I was part, when I decided to, I sold the 15 unit, we sold the farm, you know what, we were jumping into commercial real estate and I was, I was dedicated to that. I mean, we, we purchased a small house in town and, and I built an office in the basement and that's where I lived for about two and a half years. And, and it was absolute madness, uh, for all that time. And it's a long story, but, uh, uh, but it just took the dedication for my wife and family and everybody to make it happen. And, and so, but where to start, you know, do you have to start small? I say, no, uh, you don't have to do most people. Yes. You know, and I would say most of the time though, it, it is a mental block, you know, it's like, well, because when I was there, when, when I was like thinking even about that 15 unit, I was like, well, I don't know if I can buy a 15 unit property. Right. Uh, but even then I was, I would see a hundred unit building or bigger Dustin. And I would think now, I don't know who those guys are, you know, maybe 20 years from now, maybe 30 years from now, maybe I can do something like that. I don't know, you know, but I started going to conferences and I started meeting so many people who were buying 100 unit buildings uh, and they had only been in the business a few years. And so again, just like when I, you know, early on learning about real estate, again, my eyes were open to, wait a minute, you know, if all of these people can do it, hey, I can do this too. I'll figure this out. Right. Uh, and that's ultimately what we did. Uh, and so I, I would say it, it is a big myth. It's a bit, it's a limiting belief, but you do have to surround yourself with the right people. Right you know, find something, like I mentioned, that you are really good at, become the best at that you possibly can and, and go find somebody that's already an active operator and go add value to them. You know, go do that thing for them uh, that you are really good at, become part of their team, become part of their network, right? Uh, you know, and, and they become an instant mentor at the same time, work for free. You know, people say, oh, I'm not working for free. My time's worth something. 
yes, but what you're going to learn is worth so much more than, you know, than what they could even pay you at that time. I mean, them mentoring you and taking you under their wing like that. Uh, and when you're willing to do things like that, you're going to go a lot faster. Whitney, I would literally pay Warren Buffett for me to work for him. I absolutely would. You know, the networking that I would get, the knowledge that I would get, just being around that. It, and so being able to think outside of what we've always been taught that you go get paid for your hour that you give. Well, I love getting paid by experience, by knowledge, by networking. I that's so that's a great great key. Okay, so let's say we start working for a company. We find a company like yours or we start, "Hey, I would like to apply and start working in that company," which is a fantastic idea by the way. I, I fully fully agree with that cuz you get to learn the business. Now, after we're starting to learn, we realize what we're good at. Now, it seems like we this is the biggest roadblock everybody comes up because deals come up all the time. You could just go on what LoopNet and which is a website, loop.net, I think it is. Something like that, loopnet.com or something like that. But anyways, find a bunch of apartment complexes and then you'll see the deals. But if you don't have any money to buy them, you're not going to be able to buy them. So, what do we do to make sure that we have enough money to put for the down payment because commercial loans are totally different than regular conventional loans. People don't realize that it's going to be a lot different. So where do we start with getting financing for our property? Yeah, there's lots of different ways to finance a commercial project. And I would say often more times than not a commercial loan, believe it or not, I can get a $30 million loan easier than I can get a half a million dollar home loan for a home. I mean, it's like the craziest thing, you know, when you think, start thinking about that and the process is much easier as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, it's less paperwork to sign even. It just seems crazy, right? But there's, there's what we call agency debt and we won't get into probably a ton of the weeds here, but, but there's different types of debt as well. And so agency debt. So there's different lenders that are they're backed by the government that provide loans. Okay. And it is non-recourse. Okay. So, you know, you buy a home, it's recourse, right? You don't pay your payments. Guess what? They're coming to get you, kick you out of the home, right? You know, they're, they're coming to get what is theirs, right? One way or the other. Well, in these commercial buildings, more times than not, we're getting non-recourse debt and get 20 to $30 million, you know, in a loan at a time. And so if, you know, worst case scenario, this has not happened, by the way, but if we did default for some horrible reason, hey, guess what? They're coming to get the property, but they're not coming after me personally. Okay. They're not coming after the investors. They're not coming after our team, uh, which is crucial, right? Which is so important. Uh, and so that, you know, agency debt like that is, is just a great thing. We can get 10 years fixed rate, you know, very low interest rates. But also we've developed a great relationship with even a local credit union who's financed many deals for us as well. So there's lots of different options. You can get very creative, you know, with the types of debt. What markets are you finding that would be Good. Can you invest all over the country? Is there certain areas that are better than others? Where are you guys normally investing now? All of our projects are in Colorado and Idaho. So we have uh, we have just over a thousand units now, close to eleven hundred, I guess. Now and three developments happening as well. So we have three developments and a Class A project in Boise, and then we have everything else. Uh, I'm almost losing track, honestly. But it, but everything else is in Colorado, Colorado Springs and Vail, Vail Valley, uh, and so. Uh, but all of those are value add, meaning meaning there's problems at these properties, right? So there's something like we find the project and they all have their own story, right? Uh, you know, of the business plan and why there's some 
way we can increase the value there. But ultimately, you know, they're under market rent, they're mismanaged. There's things that we can see, hey, we can fix that. We've done this many times and we can create a ton of value because we can increase the income of the property, right? You know, in a relatively short period of time, maybe it's by renovations as well, but there's, there's numerous ways we can do that. What is the main pur purpose or goal of, because with rental properties, for me, it's passive income. I love getting the passive income. Is that a good goal for syndication and multifamily or is it to exit where you make more money and sell the property or is it to refinance once appreciation's got it? Like, what is it, what would you find in your business model is the main goal for syndication? Yeah, great question. I would say it is passive income. Is would be the main goal. Uh, all of our investors want passive income. That is their main goal. I mean, it is one of mine as well. Obviously, I mean, I am you know still working. I mean, I'm, this is you know I'm working a lot, making all this happen. But 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 I am also working towards that more and more passive income, right? And and for our investors, however. There's so many tax benefits in properties like this as well. So we do what's called cost segregation studies. And ultimately, if you bought a commercial property, normally you're going to depreciate that property over, you know, 27 and a half years, right? And so we do a cost segregation study where we accelerate that. And we can, we can instead of that being 27 and a half, we'll shrink that down. We'll do all of that in like five years. Okay. So, it, you know, it's not uncommon for like our, our investors last year, they, we closed on two projects in December, uh, and so they invested in those deals in December and still for that calendar year, they received like 30 to 40 cents of depreciation per dollar invested. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's pretty incredible. You know, they invested two weeks for the end of the year and still receive that kind of depreciation. Uh, and so obviously that that depreciation of passive investments is only applied to passive or passive income, you know, only applied to passive income. OK, just so everybody's aware of that. It's not applied to uh, to job or W two income, right? Hey, uh, hold so just, hold your train of thought. So I I definitely have to jump in and say, everybody, if you don't know what depreciation is from real estate, you are missing out. Depreciation is phenomenal. You you save so much money in taxes with depreciation. It's 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 brilliant. So don't lose that because that is big, big. Anyways, okay, go back to your thought of what's the ultimate goal with passive income, and then the exit strategies or anything else like that. Yes. So these deals because of that tax strategy too. I mean, our goal is ultimately in double, typically double investors money, like within five years. I mean, we've got projects right now that we're selling that are doing it, doing it in like 18 months. Uh, you know, and so our, you know, I mean, it's amazing returns, right? But it, and so if we can do that in 18 months, we're going to exit, uh, but we're going to do what's called a 1031 exchange also, which many of your listeners may have heard of before, but ultimately, right, we're, we're avoiding paying capital gains tax right now. We're postponing that, right? And so we have two other projects under contract, and so we're going to exit one project and, and those, you know, those investors who want to will, instead of, you know, cashing out right now, they'll invest those funds that they would normally make straight into the next project. Uh, and, and so that's, I mean, and that's what often our investors will do. They want to be passive. They'll be, they may invest across a, a couple operators that they really like, and then across different markets as well with those operators. So they're more diversified, but their goal is to be passive and to just keep rolling it and keep increasing their passive income till eventually, you know, they sell their business that they're very successful at, or they retire from their, their J-O-B, you know, and then they have this nest egg here, just growing over here, producing that passive income. Managing a property when it's one rental property, you just get a property manager and they manage it, which isn't bad. Is there like an economy of scale where the more properties or units are inside that one property, the costs come down? Like, how do we make sure? Because it seems like we're having like a 25 unit. That's a lot of work for one person to do. How do we manage a property that's, uh, you know, let's say 10 units all the way up to like 500? 
Yeah, so we're going to have third-party management. I mean, we're going to we we're going to interview lots of third-party management companies, okay? And this is what they do for a living. I mean, for, for instance, our, our management team in this in Colorado Springs, they've been there since the early 90s. I mean, they've been there for 30 years. They know this market better than I'll probably ever know it, even though majority of our projects are there, right? I mean, we're buying we buy a project or we go to look at one and they're like, "Oh yeah, we managed that 8 years ago." You know, and, and they've provided so much insight, right? I mean, they're so an important part of our team, but their role is so important, right? And so we have a great relationship with them. Uh, but it, it is also one of those positions where, hey, if they're not performing, you got you have to fire fast, right? You have to move fast. But we've 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 done a lot of homework on these groups, right? Before we're going to hire them, but but they're crucial, right? It's not my it's not the best use of my time to be taking tenant calls or trying to go fix a toilet or uh, you know I mean there's thousand of them, so how could I even do that, right? Uh, uh, and so, so it's, it still goes back to that team effort, right? All that stuff is calculated into our underwriting. You know, we're ensuring that we can afford things like that, you know, long before we ever approach a, a, an offer on a property. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially like when I, with my business, I'm doing the same thing. I'm making sure all my expenses are covered before I even buy the property. Because last thing I want to do is, oh no, I bought the property, but there's extra expenses that I didn't account for. Or I can't manage the property now, which some people think I'll manage the property myself. But then they realize, oh no, I don't want to do that. But then they have to give up money out of their pocket because now they have to uh, hire somebody to manage it. Okay, so what if, here's a scenario. What if somebody that, or you buy a, a property that has, let's say 50 units and you find you do your research and you find a really good property manager or so you think, because this actually happened to a friend of mine who's an investor and they the property management company literally was doing horrible. Then he fired them, got another property manager. They were doing bad too. And then he fired them. Is it maybe the investor that's probably doing something wrong or is it the property or is it just keep looking until you find a property manager or something else? There's so many things that could play into that question right there. I mean, it could be the market you're in. It could be the tenant base. It could be lots of things that make that property specifically very difficult to manage. I mean, there could be other things that we just don't know about, right? I mean, as far as finding tenants or leasing up or or things that are happening in that specific location of town that, hey, you know, you know, different managers just finally, it's like, Hey, this is just too much for our team. It's not safe maybe, or, you know, there's numerous things. Right. Uh, but I think most of that you're going to know beforehand. I hope, you know, beforehand, before you're getting into something like that. Right. Uh, but when you're going through numerous, numerous property managers, there's got to be a reason, right? There's got to be something happening at the property or maybe things you're demanding of the property management team. Maybe you're very difficult to work with. I've heard, you know, I've seen that happen as well. You know, you got to have them. You got to find somebody. And, and if I can't find a property management team in that area that I just love, feel like we're just going to work so well together, I'm probably going to say it's not a deal, you know, no matter how good of a deal, quote, it looks like on paper, right? Uh, because they are so crucial. And I also value my time enough that I know it's not worth me going and trying to manage that 50 unit myself, right? That's going to take me out of the higher paying tasks, you know, in the business that I need to be a part of, right? And so it's either find that management group. And and as we scale, you know, we do have a plan of, I'd say as we probably double our, our size of our portfolio now, or as we get to 2000 or 3000 units, we'll probably bring management in-house, you know, and that would be a case where, hey, you know what, here's a great deal. We can't find management, but it's it doesn't matter because we already have those teams in place, you know, where we would just create our own teams uh, and and have those those processes already built out in, in-house. But that's a ways down the road. And honestly, too, as these groups that we're even working with now, if they keep performing like they are, 
it's not still not the best use of our time. It's not, it doesn't pay enough uh, for us to manage the properties. Uh, it, and so it, it wouldn't be time. The time value would not be there or to, to go do that ourselves. you know, until we have those problems like that, but we would be willing to bring it in house. Like your friend, Hey, if, if you can't find anybody, I'm going to build it. I mean, I'm immediately going to be laser focused on building a team, not on me managing it. Yes. I may have to go clean a toilet or two here, you know, if I have to, right. However, I'm going to be laser focused on building my own property management team like the next day. I'd love that idea. And that's exactly the same thing I was thinking. I was like, well, then you got to build it yourself. Like that's just the worst case scenario, but that's what you got to do. Okay. So you mentioned a word a little bit a while ago uh, or two words, two words in conjunction, but in the syndication, it's a, it's a big thing that you really need to watch out, not watch out for, understand and be aware of and implement this in your business. But you brought the words value add. Now, when you buy a property, tell me about the idea of, okay, I found a property because normal person, real estate investor, who is not necessarily a real estate investor, they want to, they say, oh, here's this property. It's 100% occupied. It's making this much money. This looks like it's a good property. Is that a good property? Is that a good thing with value add? Tell me about that. So it goes back to when I was talking about there's a problem that you can fix. Right. And so there's some type of, and, and that uh, appreciation, uh, we're going to, uh, you were talking about de- depreciation, appreciation. We're going to accelerate that appreciation. Right. Uh, and so by, and we do that by noticing issues, you know, problems. And, and so one thing is, let's say, you know, there's a unit that's, you know, the, uh, the rent's 800 a month, but Hey, everything else around it's, you know, renting for 1200 a month. Well, there's gotta be a reason why there's such a big gap. Right. And so we want to try to figure that out. And oftentimes, you know, it hadn't been renovated in 20 years. Right. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, they just never raise the rent. It's still mom and pop, you know, ma- uh, management and, and not that that's bad, but, but it's just that, Hey, they're not doing, they're not, you know, surveying, uh, surveying the area and figuring out what other rent comps are and what other, you know, uh, comparable properties are renting for to see, Hey, there is a large gap in rent here. Uh, and so, or, or they've created friendships, uh, which, you know, and there's not anything always wrong with that, but, but you can't, you almost can't run a business like this with your heart. I learned that the hard way, the first two triplexes I purchased, you know, many years ago and, and, uh, man, just really got taken advantage of, but, but those are times when we can add a lot of value. Cause then we're going to go in and we're going to say, okay, you know, Sally, I'm sorry, but, but next month we are raising your rent by $50 or a hundred dollars, you know, and we're going to show you, Hey, you've been paying under market rent for like five years, you know, and everybody else is 300 more dollars above this, you know? So if Sally doesn't want to do that, even as, as fair as that still seems, you know, we're going to, if she decides to move, it's really okay. Uh, honestly, at some scale, because we're going to go right in there and we're going to turn that unit around uh, really in like two days. Uh, we're going to have that unit turned around. I mean, new, possibly new cabinets, new countertops, new appliances. Uh, I mean, new bathroom, carpet, flooring, whatever, paint, you know, it's going to be brand new. And guess what? It's going to go right back at that, say 1150, you know, right underneath the market rent, you know, some, and so immediately that project then, uh, so commercial real estate's valued, uh, you know, by the income, right? The net operating income. Uh, and so, and so that's how immediately the, the value of the property is, is explodes, right? When we can increase the income, just even, even it seems slightly, but it's drastic in the value of the property. And that's, what's brilliant about commercial or syndication or multifamily is the value. You can literally skyrocket it. And that's what he, I think if you're going to be looking for a property, you want one that you could put value in to force the appreciation up. It, that, and so I think that's that's brilliant. Now, is there always 
because uh, with buy and hold with single family homes, I literally hold on to the properties and I'll give them to my kids. Like there's no need to sell them. Apartment complexes, I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of active investors, they like to exit them and go to another deal. Is that something that is, is should be looked at? We should do, or is it just, I guess, case by case basis or per investor, they have different strategies? It is very much per investor and per your personal wealth strategy, right? I, I mean, they, we do have investors who would love for us to stay in deals like 10 years at a time. Uh, and however, there's other investors that, hey, if we can double your money in two years, they're ready to get out as fast as possible, right? Uh, and, you know, and then they're going to be trying to do a 1031 exchange, you know, and, and avoid capital gains and those things are delaying it, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's going to be very much per the investor. And so there's going to be different operators that are doing different types of deals that, you know, there's going to be some that is going to work for different investors better. And you need to know that. Maybe even before you have that conversation with that investor, like I was telling you earlier, you need to know what works for your portfolio, right? What are you looking for? You know, are you looking for a long-term strategy like that versus, you know, a very short-term strategy or, you know, something with a little more risk, but maybe more gain, uh, potential gain anyway, I'll say. Uh, and so you need to know that going in, right? And you can find deals that are, you know, maybe a 10-year plan versus a, a three to five-year plan like most of ours. Uh, but oftentimes by that fifth year, like you said, we've exhausted the tax benefits. And so so it's time to it's time to exit it, right? And nor normally we will have exited it before then anyway. Uh, I mean, we got an off-market market offer on a project. Now we, we paid 20, 28 and a half million, I think for this project, uh, in March of 20. And just now we got an off market offer for 45 million. Oh, so, deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, how can you pass that up? Right. And, and that's why we're going to do our best to have the, you know, the process of a 1031 exchange lined up. Can't always guarantee that of course, because of all the timing issues and ensuring we have new projects, but, but that is the goal. Uh, and so, you know, we, we just try to make sure investors know upfront, this is the plan. These are projections as well. You know, that doesn't mean it's going to happen or that anything's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed in any kind of investing, uh, just taxes and, and death, right? Or, yeah, there you say? go. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but these are projections. This is our plan. However, you know, things could change, right? Uh, and I think in cases like this, you know, if we can double your money in 18 months versus five years, I, I don't. I don't know why. There's not many people that's going to complain about that, right? Oh, no. I definitely wouldn't complain at all. All right, Whitney, let's jump into the rapid fire round. Now, the rapid fire round where the questions are short, but your answers don't have to be. So the first question is, you've given a lot of great advice. Is there anything we might have missed over, anything I should have asked that we really should be looking into before we do any syndication? You know, if you're going to get into this business and you're going to do it well, I'd say, obviously, you already said you need a mentor. You need to surround yourself with people that are already in it and doing it. But I just encourage people to think about you need to be so committed to this and you need to understand the commitment level that it's going to take for not only you, but for your family as well. It's something I did not probably comprehend and couldn't probably have comprehended before I took this journey, starting a daily podcast, starting to do deals, starting to travel two or three times a month and, and you know, while still working full time. I mean, it was it was madness, you know, for a, for a good while. However, by overcommitting like that, it pushed me to grow a team. It, push, it pushed me to do things that I never would have imagined doing. You know, speaking in front of you know stages on stages I never imagined being on. Uh, by by making that leap, right? By what I call overcommitting. Uh, and one other thing I, I have to add is you have to build loyalty. And, and, and I always say, everybody knows the no like, and trust. Everybody calls it this triangle you got to have to be able to raise money. Right. And I always say, hey, you know what, there's, I, I agree completely. However, I say there's one thing that's missing and it's loyalty. 
And you think of companies like Apple or Harley Davidson, you know, and the loyalty that their customers have. I mean, people tattoo Harley Davidson on their arm, right? Or on their back. I mean, that is somebody that's so loyal, right? I mean, they're probably going to own a Harley the rest of their life, most likely, right? But to build that loyalty, you need to have a mission that's bigger than just a financial gain. And so I just encourage listeners to think about, and even to get through the hard first few years too, when you're really grinding, you're really pushing and, you know, you just aren't seem to, seeming to make any progress. And even for your, your spouse and your kids as well, it's so important to have a bigger mission than just this financial gain. Uh, and if it hadn't been for that for us, uh, I, I don't think we probably could have kept going. That's, that's great. I love that advice. Okay. What is one bit of advice that you would give your younger self? Because you've, obviously got a lot of experience now, what would you give to your younger self in wisdom? Surround yourself with the right people faster, spiritually, personally, in business, in every aspect of your life. I 100% agree. The more I network with people, the more my business gets better, the more people that I can uh, learn from. It's just, it's great. The more people that you can be around and help and serve, not just try to take from, because that would, that would be very, very, they wouldn't want to be around you if you're, all you're doing is taking. Okay, Whitney, what is one nonfiction book that you would suggest we should read? It could be business or life or anything like that. You know, one I one I often recommend that I that I love is called uh, "The Road Less Stupid" by Keith Cunningham. I don't know if you've read that or not, but I love I love how at the. I mean, each chapter is like its own business coaching session. I mean, he is just a great businessman. He lost a he lost everything in real estate and then just built it back again. But he goes through all the mistakes he made. And But one thing he, he promotes in a massive way, and you'll learn very quickly in that book, he calls thinking time. And it's like, read this chapter and then just go think about it. Like literally have time where the phone is not in the same room and there's not a computer in there, but just a notepad, you know, and, and, and like have thinking time. And I go back to saying when my wife and I were on the beach and we decided to sell the farm, I didn't know it then, but well, that was thinking time. Like we were just, it was just time away from being drawn out, you know, pulled by everything else. And, you know, that's happening in your life, but we could just think and we could just look out, you know, long-term. And, and so anyway, that book is one I would recommend. Definitely. Awesome. Okay. What is one tool that you use in your life? It could be an app. It could be a piece of paper and a pencil. What is one tool that you normally use in your life that we should look at using? Something I've started using recently. Oh, it's died. <laughs> But is a uh, is a note taking tablet, uh, and this oh. is called a SuperNote. I think it's called an AX5 SuperNote, and it's just an electronic way of taking notes. It's not connected to the internet. It can only connect though to <laughs> upload itself it. to back itself up, right? Uh, which is great because uh, I wanted to do that. However, it, you're not being distracted by emails and things like that. So, uh, but I can have all my notes right here. I can even put PDFs on this and like draw all over them and things like that as well. So that's probably my newest thing. That's like I'm using daily. I remember so much more when I physically write it out by hand than ever anything typing. So I think that's great. I'm going to have to look into that myself. Oh, uh, man, Whitney, you've given us so much great advice and insights. I know people are going to want to reach out to you and even possibly hopefully invest with you. How can they find you? How can they reach out to you? You can go to lifebridgecapital.com, but I would encourage you to email me personally, Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com, or even call or text me at 540-585-4338. 
We'd love to help you, uh, help you in any way we can. Giving out your personal phone number. That's brave. Good for you. <laughs> Whitney, thank you so much for being on the Successfully Unemployed Show. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.